0: Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit LifeCenterNYC.com. You know, God is good. We really need to get that down deep, deep in our spirits, that, that He is good. Um... I think often, depending on our backgrounds, where we've come from, our cultures, uh, we're not always convinced of the goodness of God. We are thinking, perhaps, yeah, he's good as long as I'm good. But as soon as I mess up, he's, he's, you know, that'll be the end of that. Because that may be, have been the uh, culture that you were raised in, um, and I think that's somewhat common. You know, we we get praised when we do good, and when we mess up, you know, you get the, <coughs> the back of the hand or the front of the hand, or <laughs> you get swatted, and... And it helps us to learn right from wrong, right, as a child, you know, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. But it's folly lies in the heart of a child. So it's important that we raise our our children in in the fear of the Lord and we teach them right and wrong. And there's a place for, you know, he who spares the rod spoils the child. So, again, I'm not trying, I'm just trying to put things in context a little bit. But he's good. And and a loving father. If you're in a in a loving family, you know your parents love you, and they're watching out for you, and they're you know even you know when you mess up and you get corrected, you 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 don't really doubt their love. If you're in a healthy family, I know not everybody had that blessing, but <clears throat> I think you can understand when you're in a healthy family, there's deep deep love. Even as Lachlan was sharing about you know, pondering for God so loved the world that he gave his son and, you know, he, him thinking about his own son, how do you do that? It's like, you know, as parents, you you do love, parents tend to love sacrificially. You give a lot. Um, and that's how God loves. He loves sacrificially. He so loved that he gave his son, right? Because he, he didn't want to be separated from us His deep love caused him to to pay this great price. And so you need to understand that God is good. Like he he went to lengths to secure your relationship with him. He went to great lengths. He gave of his only son. And so even as I'm about to share, I want to talk this morning from Sermon on the Mount about treasures, about storing treasures in heaven. And even as I share, it's just so important that you understand God is good. And then when he gives us the Sermon on the Mount, and when he gives us, and he, he's teaching us, and he's sometimes challenging, and we'll read some scriptures, and there'll be a little bit of a challenge. And the challenge in the scripture to the, to the stories we tell, and even as it applies to our lives, you have to have a context of the goodness of God. Because if you don't have a context of the goodness of God, then you almost feel like maybe he's trying to trip me up. But he's actually trying to bring you to full maturity so that we can be closer to him. You know, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy, joy beyond measure, uh, and pleasures forevermore. And so his purpose is to bring us close. As many as draw near to God, he draws near to them. So when we hear gospel teachings, gospel is what? Good news. Here's the good news. God wants you close. He re- He's really into you, and he paid a deep, deep price for you, and he wants you really close. And on earth is the only time that we get to choose in the face of Challenge in the face of opposition, in the face of temptation, in the face of stress—we get to choose God. You're not going to have any of that in heaven. It's going to heaven is is easy, but right now, we get to choose God in the face of contradiction. Sometimes in the face of not even understanding. I was so moved when Bill Johnson was sharing on, on a Sunday service after his wife had passed, after a long battle with cancer and many prayers, believing God for healing, and then she went to be with the Lord. And his sharing is saying, listen, I, I trust the goodness of God. I've seen too much of the goodness of God to ever doubt the goodness of God. And even though I might not fully understand, I choose to trust him. I choose to trust him. And, that's, and all of our heart's posture has to be in that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, I never really stopped to to ponder this too much, but this has been working me over of late. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. I'm going to start by reading from the New King James Version, and then I'm also going to want to read from the Amplified. But in Matthew 6, 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I, I, I've been pondering before the Lord, God, how do, I, how do I lay up treasures in heaven? You know, many people might have a, a 401K and they're kind of planning for your retirement and actually think savings is good. You should save. The Bible says a wise man saves and, you know, <laughs> but how do we store up treasures in heaven? How do we fill up our, four, our heavenly 401K? I mean, because really, life is short. Life is very short. Um, the older you get, you realize how quick it's going. <laughs> but eternity is beyond anything we could fathom. And there are eternal rewards. The Bible talks about eternal rewards. So how do we lay up? <clears throat> In Matthew 6 21, Reading from the Amplified, it says, for where your treasure is, there is your heart. There your heart, (coughs) Um, that which your wishes, your desires, that on which your life is centered. So your heart is your wishes, your desires, that on which your life is centered will also be. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. We wanna fill our heart with with heaven. We wanna fill it with Jesus. You know, we want our, our 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 eyes, our gaze fixed on him and have an eternal purpose. Life is fleeting, and I'm you're gonna go through some really good seasons in life. And I hate to tell you, but there's gonna be some disappointments, <laughs> some letdowns, some sometimes of hurt, sometimes of crying. There's There's going to be all of it, right? There's a time for every purpose under heaven. And unless you have your eyes fixed in heaven and your gaze fixed on the eternal rewards, which is Jesus, um, sometimes you can be shaken. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10. Beginning of verse 17. Now as Jesus was going on the road... A man came running and knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. And he said to him, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And the man answered Jesus and said, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Verse 21, now Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Jesus loved him. He recognized the sincerity from which he came. And looking at him, he said, one thing you lack. Now understand something. He wasn't picking on him. He loved this man. He recognized the sincerity of his heart. And he wanted to put his finger on an area that was holding him back from moving into the deep things of God. He really wanted this man to draw close. He loved him. And he amplified, it says, Jesus genuinely loved this man. So his response, understand, this is a response out of love. This is a response you might have for your children. One thing you lack Go your way, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 24, and the disciples, they were astonished at Jesus' words. But Jesus answered and again said to them, clarifying, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now for us in the West, when we read a camel going through the eye of a needle, we often think of a needle thread. And well, that's that's not quite the analogy. The analogy was a gate in Jerusalem that was very low. And if you were trying to bring a camel through it, you had to take all of the um, everything that was on top of the camel, all the cargo and whatever it had on, you had to take it off, and then you had to make the camel get down on its on its knees and scooch through. In other words, it would you had to, the camel had to be humbled, and so Jesus is saying that we have to we have to be willing to let go of all of the stuff that we're all of the stuff we carry. And go very low in order to enter. So it's easier for a camel to be disrobed, if you will, and to go down low through the eye of the this this tiny gate in Jerusalem, the eye of the needle, than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished. I mean, this really kind of blew them away. You know it. Uh, Up above, it, it says, again, verse 24, it says they were astonished, and then two verses later, and they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, look, with men this is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, Jesus, we've left everything and followed you. And Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother, sisters or father, mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers, sisters and mothers, children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last shall be first. Sometimes when we read this, we go, "That's hard." You know, Jesus said, "Sell everything, like give everything." But this was—you have to understand—this was a man he genuinely loved, and he was trying to draw near. Jesus didn't start out by telling him, "Go sell everything." this person was pressing in and it's good to press in how many want to press into the lord i want to press into the lord i'll tell you sometimes it's costly you know the gospel's free its it, salvation's free but when we want to get near you know he, he's holy and he he requires all of our trust everything that we are so Jesus loved him and responded, there's one thing that you lack. You see you have a, you're trusting in your great wealth. And I want you free of that. I want you to know me as a loving father who's going to provide for you. How many think that if he would have sold everything he would have had, he would have been in abject poverty? Actually, the scripture says later, when Peter says, we've left all, Jesus reminds him, says, look, there's no one who has left lands, relationships, possessions for my sake and the gospel that won't receive a hundredfold back when? In this life. In this life. Because when you do that, you show that your heart is not stuck in them. Because it's all about the heart. He wants a heart. He's really not concerned about your possessions. He's concerned with your heart. And he's trying to draw you into that place. And to know the treasures of heaven. He says, if you do this, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Because you're showing where your heart is. In verse 31, in the New Living Translation, at the end of that story, it says, but many who are greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. It doesn't say all, it says many. Many. but many that are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem to be least important now will be the greatest then. See, he measures greatness according to a whole different standard. Greatness in God is walking like Jesus walked. And how did he walk? In complete obedience to his Father. He didn't. He never did anything unless... He saw his father doing it. He didn't speak unless he heard his father saying it. He walked in a relationship with God that he understood and just walked in, you know, he walked in that position where it was just obedience. And that is a position of great, of greatness. Let's look at um, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 24. It's talking about Moses. Many of us know the story of Moses. He was born in a time when the Pharaoh was concerned that the Hebrew population was over running the Egyptian population, so in his population control method, he decided to murder all of the Hebrew boys. All And Moses' parents hid him so that he wouldn't be put to death. And they actually, at some point, they took him and put him in a, in a basket and hid him in the Nile River where they knew that Pharaoh's daughter would go with her handmaids and 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 wash and take care of herself and that she would discover him there. And so when Pharaoh's daughter found Moses, she took him and recognized that it was one of the Hebrew boys, but she decided she wanted to raise him. Moses' sister Miriam, who was hiding close by, observing everything, said, would you like me to find someone to nurse the baby for you? And she said, yeah, that's a great idea. Brought Moses to his mother. (laughs) And God had made provision because he had marked Moses from even before he was born. And then we fast forward. So Moses is brought up in the family of Pharaoh as the daughter of Pharaoh's, uh, Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter, That's the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So he has all of the royal privileges, wealth, everything he wants is at his fingertips. But he comes to recognize his roots. And in recognizing his roots, he sees the injustice and he starts to feel the call of God on his life as a deliverer, even if it wouldn't happen exactly the way Moses thought. But Hebrews chapter 11 speaks of this. I just, I wanted to give you that little background before we dive into it. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter Because he preferred to endure the hardship of the people of God, rather to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Verse 26. He, Moses, considered the reproach of Christ, that is, the rebuke he would suffer for his faithful obedience to God, to be greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt for he looked ahead to the reward promised by God. Moses chose the reproach of Christ, that is the rebuke he would suffer for faithful obedience to God to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked ahead to the reward promised by God. It's so important that we have our eyes fixed on eternity. He, he, God has great, great promises for us. And I, the longer I've lived, I've really come to, to recognize that this life is really from salvation forward. It's about becoming Christ-like. And becoming Christ-like, the the sanctification that takes place in becoming Christ-like is actually positioning you for eternity. Because in eternity, where you're going to want to be is close to the throne. It's close to Jesus because it's in his presence. Fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. We're all going to want to be close. And... found it interesting that the disciples would argue about who would, who gets to sit at the right hand and the left hand of Jesus. Let's turn with me to chapter, Mark chapter 10. Oh, I'm sorry, I have got that wrong. Um, there it is 10. Verse 35, we'll continue in Mark 10. Mark chapter 10, beginning of verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him and said, Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. What is your request? He asked, they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in the places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. And then he asked him a very pointed question. And I think we kind of read right by this. Are you able to drink the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? I just want to pause there. This bitter cup he took on because the father asked him to. He was willing to go to the cross. We just talked about, for God so loved the world. He gave his only son. Well, what about the son? Right? I mean, hold on a minute. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Jesus had no reservations. And we might. (laughs) But Jesus didn't. He went willingly. And it was a it was a bitter cup. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering? I must be baptized with. Or are you willing to be obedient to that point? And they said, Oh yes, we are, they replied. We're able. Jesus said, well, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, and you will be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or on my left. God has, the Father, God has prepared those places for the one he has chosen. Now, the other ten disciples, when they heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant because they didn't think of it before them. So Jesus said, i got to clear up this mess. So he calls them all together. And he says, you know what? You know that the rulers of, the, of this world, they lord it over their people. And their officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be the leader among you must be your servant. Some translations might say Slave and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else verse 45 for even the son of man he didn't come to be served but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many so this is this is the answer to what i just said about john 316 the father sent him but the son came not to be served, but to give his life. The son freely gave it. He was of one mind with the father. There was no, okay, send my son. Jesus was all on board. This was, this was decided in the Godhead, in unity. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. Are we willing to walk as Jesus walked, right? The, the, the Bible tells us, put on Christ and make no provision for the flesh. But he's calling us to walk this out. And as we do, you are securing your place in heaven. You, you really are. Like, I'm, I'm not about trying to say you're saved by good works. We're not. We're saved only by the grace of God and the finished work of the cross. And everyone who repents of their sin and just turns to the Lord You, you you know, and receives Christ as Savior, washed in His blood, you're saved, you're in. But there are eternal rewards. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Beginning of verse 1, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, there'll be no crying, there'll be no pain for the former things have passed away. How many want that? (laughs) But why does he have to wipe the tears from their eyes? My personal conviction is when we get there, we're gonna realize Mm. all the stupid things (laughs) that we let slip out of our mouths, the way we treated people. But they were annoying, but... (laughs) Every opportunity we had to put on Christ and die to ourselves, I think we're going to be crying. And he will wipe away the tears. But we're going to say, I had, I had this opportunity. I had that opportunity. We need to have our eyes fixed on eternity. Every decision you make for Christ is filling up your love bank. I was just praying with someone after the first service, and he was going through something similar to what my wife and I went through when we got married, and having to walk out the Sermon on the Mount, meaning turning the other cheek, uh, blessing those who curse you, doing good for those who despitefully use you, See, see, all these things are the choices we make. I call it response ability. Your response, like you can't control what other people do or say, but you have responsibility over what you say or do. So you're, you have the ability to respond. That's response ability. So when you choose to respond in Christ likeness, you are, you're actually doing ground-level spiritual warfare. You know, when someone slaps your face and you turn the other, when, they, when they're just mean to you and you buy them a coffee just to bless them. I just want, you know, they don't understand it. You know, the Bible says when you do good to those who are treating you badly, it's like putting hot coals of fire on their head. And they don't get it. I, when my wife and I, you know, when we got married because of our ethnic differences, she was Greek, I was Irish, that was unacceptable in her family. Then you throw on that we were born again, we became born again Christians while we were dating, and it's you put gasoline on this smoldering. <laughs> it went up. And they called me every name in the book. But I was naive enough to believe the scriptures. And I just kept blessing them. And, you know, this went on right up until we, when we got married. You know, we got back from our honeymoon. They, they were trying everything they could to stop us from getting married. And then I happened to have Fridays off at that season. Tammy was working. So I showed up to their house with uh, one morning. I drove Tammy into work, and then I, I got some, like, breakfast bagels or rolls or Danish something. And I show up to the house unannounced, her parents' house. I ring the bell. It's about 9 o'clock in the morning. And I say, uh, hey, Mom, I brought breakfast. Let's, let's, have, let's sit down and just have breakfast together. <laughs> and her mother calls to her father in Greek. I found this out later because I don't speak Greek. <laughs> Bill's here. He doesn't understand that we don't like him. What should I do? He, he wants to have breakfast. So her father, who was still upstairs in the bedroom, I don't think he'd, you know, they were retired. He hadn't fully gotten up and come downstairs yet. So she called, he just said, well, just make him breakfast. And so we sat down and we had breakfast, just the three of us, and that was the beginning of the end of their animosity. I'm not trying to lift me up, I'm trying to tell you that the gospel works. Choosing God's way breaks down the resistance. It's, it's really, and when I say I was naive enough, I. And I said this to this person I was praying with earlier, it was like, this is ground level spiritual welfare. You gotta put on Christ. You gotta see what you're doing, like you gotta look past what's in front of you and understand the motivation and the who's whispering in their ears and what's going on. And you put on Christ and you make no provision for your own flesh. Like the insults that are poured on you. You know, I was naive enough to believe that this is all the devil. Of course the devil's calling me a a this and a that. (laughs) And and I held it not against them. Now, that's a choice. And you always have a choice to take up the offense. Or not. It's your response ability. Your ability to respond in Christ-likeness. And when you do that, you're doing spiritual warfare. I mean I, I'm listen I'm a, we're intercessors. I love to bind and loose and but there's also there's spiritual warfare that happens in interactions and how you respond reverberates in the spirit. And my kindness to their animosity disarmed the devil. And from that point on, it began to change so that at the end of their life, when they wanted counsel about they didn't call Tammy or they didn't call her brother, they called me. <laughs> but that took it took years, it didn't happen that day. <laughs> but it's it's consistently walking out and being Christ because it's Christ in you. You're being Christ to others. It it actually moves things and it moves people and it moves the devil. Cause it's it's the opportunity you have and I'm gonna say this again. You have an I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up. You have an opportunity in this life to actually show your loyalty to Christ. You don't in heaven, like it's all good. How many are like pleasant when everything's good? I can be very pleasant when everything's going my way. <laughs> but when it's not going your way, when the disappointments, when the hurt, when the different things come, how do you respond? That's, this is the, the, the ground. This is our opportunity to store up treasures in heaven, to draw near to God. We have the opportunity in this life to draw near to him. He says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So how do you draw near? You draw near by choosing Christ. What separates you from God? The Bible tells us your sin separates you from God. What is sin? Sin is missing the mark, which is Christ likeness. So anytime we're not responding in Christ likeness, we're missing the mark, which is sin. Now of course it's breaking the commandments, right? Adultery, stealing, it's that too, but it. The word sin means to miss the mark, the high call, which is Christ-likeness. But every time we choose Christ-likeness, we choose to draw near. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And when you choose that, you're you're, you're storing up treasure in heaven. So I I want you all to be sort of eternal capitalists. See the opportunity. fill the need, (laughs) receive the reward. (laughs) Come on, this is, we have an opportunity right now to draw near to God in the face of opposition, in the face of challenge. Thank you, Lord. So, Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this life, the opportunities you placed before us, that we get, To choose you here and now in the face of opposition, in the face of temptation, in the face of challenges, in the face of insults, in the face of offenses, we get to choose you. The angels don't have that opportunity. They look on and they say, wow, in their weakness and brokenness, they're still choosing me As we're getting ready to close I just does anybody in this room this morning and maybe you're just in that place of um, you've been seeking you've been asking who is this Christ who is Jesus Well, he's the son of the living God. And he gave his life for you and for me, for all those here. That as many as would receive him, he'd give the power to be the children of God. If you've been on the fence and you haven't, you're not sure, but you feel the Holy Spirit is on you, I just want to encourage you. If you want to. Just surrender right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to forgive me of my sins, which are many. I want you to wash me in in your blood. And I want to follow you. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up in the air. I just want to acknowledge you and pray for you. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room who just prayed that prayer. I just want to encourage you if you prayed that prayer and you want someone else to come alongside you and just agree with you and pray with you where our prayer team is up here. There's others in this room and maybe you've been walking with the Lord but you haven't always chosen to to do it his way. And you would just want to recommit yourselves right now to saying, God, in the face of opposition, in the face of offense, bitterness, trials, I want to choose your way. If you just want to re-up for that, I just invite you to come up to the front. We're going to pray with you. God is good, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He loves you so much. If you're like that rich young ruler, and you have like, God, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm living the right life. But you know there's that one thing that you lack, and you just want to surrender that. I just invite you to come up to the front right now. We're going to pray. Our prayer team is here. He's for you, he's not against you. he wants to see you succeed. he wants you as close to him as possible and he's calling right now. Mess my prayer ministry team come on forward and begin to pray with these people. Thank you Lord. Thank you Jesus. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at Life Center NYC or YouTube at Life Center Church NYC.